This is Creek with At The Table Podcast. Here at At The Table Podcast, our goal is to break down biblical topics, make scripture easy to understand, and to glorify God and His Word. We pray this content edifies, challenges, and blesses you. So without further ado, sit back and join us at the table. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of At The Table Podcast. It's me, as always, your host, Trey, with my two co-hosts, John and Creek. How's it going, guys? Just once, I want you to say, hello, it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> hello, it's me. I'm in California dreaming of the way it used to be. Copyright strike. Oh, yeah. Can't do that. I'm not hey. Adele anyway, so. Yeah, it was so off-key that it, you don't know, worry about it. I'm just kidding, dude. I'm just kidding. You have a beautiful voice. Most of the time that when people say they're just kidding, they're they're being truthful. They just want to, like, disguise no. the blade that they're running into don't, your back. Don't Avoid put your own bitterness on yeah. me. Don't put Isn't that there, on me. What's the verse that says that? Heart, what? Oh, you know it. I the know Proverbs you know it. about the proverb. flaming arrows. Oh, like flaming arrows of death is a brother who deceive uh, one who deceives a brother and says, "I was only joking." <laughs> Dude, that just convicted like five hundred people just then. They heard that. They're like, Ooh, I've done that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I think it's like a flaming arrow of death. Like it's a risk. I think that's what it's saying. Like sometimes it's. I don't think that's what that means. I think so. It's a risk. No, it's yeah. a guaranteed. A flaming arrow of death. That's not a. It risk. may or may not hit you. Especially if I you think shoot that's what it. it's saying. For real, it's not an arrow of death if it doesn't hit you. Hey, especially if you I mean, shoot it right. into a target that's got pyrodex. Yeah, Facts. I saw the killing purple. <laughs> Kaboom! <laughs> he said the, the daylight turned purple. <laughs> He's a mushroom cloud go up about 2,000 feet into the sky. He said, well, as my father's behind the, the car, assuming having what I can only assume is Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> he blew out all the, all the windows on the north side of my house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, God. Oh. <laughs> Hey, oh, so man. guys, for the shout out of the of the week to a different podcast, I want to shout out the Truth and Shadow podcast with with my boy BT Wallace. BT, um, this is, this is my shout out to you, brother. Really enjoy having the um, the Bible study with you in the mornings, and uh, always have great insight. Can I just say something real quick? I don't think it's fair that I end up with Dalton when someone has BT. It's just not cool. Well, you could be JD. Yeah. <clears throat> That's, a little JD. Be- That's a little better. Because when someone, I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's a little demoralizing. I like John. Like when someone comes up and they're like, hi, Dalton. I kind of feel, really? you know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of feel. You feel like feel, they're calling you out your name. I kind of feel like the kid in science project that didn't make a very good volcano. Do you, you like John I mean? or Dalton better? Be honest. I, f- I feel like John's more dignified. You J- know what John I mean? has this like idea that, I don't know, like you're a disciple or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. When I call you John, I think like you're the beloved. You're one. the the one Jesus loves. I know, but but check this out, and I and I dig that. So thank you, <laughs> thank you for repairing my self esteem. But when it when it comes to like a podcast, like if John's on there, you're like, uh, well, you know, John, right? You see that every day. That's like a burly man. It's, it's a euphemism there. for a toilet. You know what I mean? Uh, but no, nobody says that anymore. Uh-oh. No. Sitting on the John? Nah. No, that's not a thing? Not yeah. really. I say commode over John. Okay, yeah. I want to know. Arkansas, baby. Any, anyway, 
But when you see BT, immediately I'm interested. I want to know. Tell me more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that was on purpose. He's kind of got this voice, too, on his podcast where sometimes he sounds like, what's that, Neil deGrasse Tyson on, like, the... uh, Don't compare him to that guy. Well, on the Discovery Channel, or, no, it's, um, who's the guy that does um, Darth Vader? Oh. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Like, kind of a rich, but then sometimes, like, in his intros, he gets, like, a lower (laughs) pitch, and he almost sounds like Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Oh yeah. my Truth god. <laughs> if this offended Today you, please talk just about the divide council. Yeah. <laughs> it's supernatural. Oh Open my. up your Bibles. It's a big deal. To Psalms 82. <laughs> Golly. Today we're gonna discuss the Deuteronomy 32 <laughs> worldview. He said the background <laughs> is pregnant <laughs> with all this meaning. <laughs> Golly. This backdrop. It's literally pregnant. <laughs> it is. Divine Rebel. That's a big deal. He's going to call you later and be like, dude. That, he's going to bring correction to you, bro. He's going to be like, come on, man. No, he's going to listen to that, and he is literally going to die the next, the next time that we have Dr. John on, I'm going to ask him to do it. I'm going to ask the Indiana Jones of the Christian world to do that for us. The Batman voice? <laughs> yeah, dude, off air. Casey's Batman voice isn't real great. <laughs> if he we, if he could just come on and we could we could cop the steezy from Blurry Creatures and, yeah. and have him in there. This backdrop is literally pregnant with all kinds of meaning. <laughs> man, we'll call him the Batman. Oh, bro, yeah, yeah. He's, he is Batman. Honestly, Doctor DJB's with it. <laughs> no, BT Wallace is, is, is with it. They both with it. Oh yeah, BT. Can't Wallace. be Indiana Jones and Batman. That's copping like all the heroes. You can't oh, do that. True. When you're, hey, he's an archaeologist and an anthropologist. So yeah, but I don't think to. that he is yet a billionaire. So and we know he's not a playboy. Yeah, I was gonna say he'll, he'll never be a playboy. Yeah, let's not even tread that tire. You know, to be honest, that's yeah. We don't want to fit him in those classes. A BT Wallace. I'm not. I'm oh, not. I see the connection between Batman. I got, <laughs> I got you know. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Dude, Creek's wearing camo. I, he is. You know I, what that makes me think of? Turkey hunting. Turkey hunting. It's around the corner, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just prefer the hen. I, you, I think Trey was in them and all of asking you how you're doing. How are you doing? Creed? I'm all right, bro. How's baby Judah doing? Actually, How's Mrs. Love doing? You got the hat on backwards like a freaking. You do man. look sick with that on. Honestly, if we had video on this podcast yeah. right now, no, you would be. You. You're the poster boy for it. I'm actually really good. Like, God is blessed. Like, just blessed. We're we're blessed, bro. Like, my hey, kids doing hey. good. My wife's doing amazing. Like. Last night I was supposed to like watch the baby for a little bit or whatever, or feed him or whatever. Like at like three a.m. when he woke up, dude, I could not get him back to sleep. Like I could not figure it out. I rocked him. I like fed him. I played with him. I held. I held his hands to his face. Like all the things you're supposed to. Not like hard, but you know what I'm saying. Uh. And she, she, because I was gonna give her a break, so she put her AirPods in. And, and laid down to sleep. Down. Bro. You're not mine. I could not get that kid to go to sleep. And sleep. she gets up and says, I'll take him. I'm like, I'm sorry. I tried to give tried. you a break. You, you so, <laughs> well, okay. Let, all I'm saying is she grabbed the baby. 
and he immediately stopped. Immediately. My my wife did take marriage bed is undefiled. My anyway, <laughs> dude, can you stop? My wife For the did a video of me all the other day. Good. Just hey, stop let me just change it. Up, I will say, my wife took a video. You're you're hyping me up, saying I like Hi. look good with the hat backwards and stuff. Hat. My wife took a video of me video. playing with the baby. Baby, that just gives me a headache, dude. <laughs> it. W- I looked horrible in the video. Like it, I almost let it like ruin my self esteem for That's a second. Dude. You look like a chubby baby yourself. No, just like. I don't understand, bro. Like, I was just like, what the heck? That was a terror. Like, Judah was laughing, dude, over and over. Like, it was crazy. I was just getting him to laugh. He, like, wants to kick it with me. But, dude, the video, bro. He, he wasn't laughing did. with you. He was laughing Probably, at you. Probably, dude. It was <laughs> like, what the Come heck? think of it. You do, with your hat on backwards, if you had a pair of sunglasses on right now, you'd be, you'd be, look, you're going to your kid's football game on Saturday afternoon. You no, know what I mean? I'm, Stop trying to, to pop up his, his, his. Have you seen that uh, that that meme that talks about <laughs> women to women? Like, oh, you're beautiful. You're going there again. God loves you, guys. Oh, you look guy disgusting. Guy, you're fat. You're ugly, and um, you're you're full. No, of no. He said, uh, yeah. yeah. He <laughs> said, um, what was it? He said, you're a horrible wretch aside from God, and also you're fat. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Another guy says, amen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. The guy said yeah, back. Guy he's says, he's yeah. just hanging his head. He's like, yeah. hey, "Amen." Yeah, I feel that. I needed that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it has been a special morning. We we've been in this in this studio like, talking for like two hours, two. Dude, but it's joyful, man. I, joyful. I, we we've edified one another. Edified. We've laughed with one another. We've even made fun of each other. Docked each other's self esteem a little bit. Little self esteem. Yeah. Talked about orcas for like an hour. Orcas. We, we did. Dalton. I don't know if you realize how annoying that is. <laughs> it actually gives me a headache. <laughs> it, it, it gives me a, a tizzle. Okay, you don't get do to it. do what you just did to me in front of that audience and then turn and play the, you don't have any idea how annoying that is. You call me a coward like nine times you don't, in a row. You don't just do it on air, though. You air. do it in everyday life. And Every it's day. like, we were in the middle of a really in-depth, deep in spiritual depth. conversation, and he's doing that, and you're like, Okay, why well, don't you, you know just say that you don't you want know, to be in I think it helps the audience to have certain words emphasized. No. Let's take a poll on that. You know, that. God's really done a lot, man. I've been in a season of struggle. Struggle. Season. And, you know, God's really, de- God, he's really helped me through my time. Of, uh, he's really given me strength. Strength. I'm telling you what, that right there, <laughs> believe it or not, that actually just gave me strength. <laughs> Strength to do it more. Even <laughs> though I walk through the valley. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm start doing it like Batman. <laughs> oh, the cough is returned. The cough is oh, not returned, dude. You just triggered it. The dark night like, rises. Say it ain't so. All right, we're at 11 minutes and 20 Again, seconds. dude. We got to quit. Let's go we in. What's at, hey, what's at the table? John, what is at the table today? You what's at the even, table, you, John? I didn't even get to say how I was doing. You're good, clearly. All right, what's at the table? <laughs> the audience no longer cares. Well, yeah, but that's not because of anything I've done. <laughs> that's the, the rabbit trails that you two forged together. You did go together. on some kind of odd rabbit no, no, trails no, 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 no. for a second. <laughs> Y'all. Y'all went on some rabbit trails. Y'all yeah, I did. love how now you want to run the knife into my back. I'm not you running, were running down the knife. trail with me. Running a knife in your back? That is the most dramatic thing you could dramatic. come up with. We. <laughs> you did. You did leave the H off. Wit. All right. Okay. John, what's at the table today? The snake crusher. Did that sound dramatic? No, it sounds 
confusing. The pause um, went too. It was half a second too long of a pause. Half a second. You know how difficult. Do that again. It is What's up the table? This talk? intro is about twelve minutes too long. So. Shit. The snake crusher. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. That no. sounds demonic. Oh my I don't God. like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two things. Dude. One, what not the... cool. Oh, two, no. I'm pretty sure you just reached a different octave with that laugh. <laughs> that's that's sure. the one that's on the on the soundboard. Oh, dude, that kills me. <laughs> oh. I literally feel that pulse in my forehead every now time. Now you know how we feel pulse. <laughs> This has been the greatest two minutes of my life. Oh, <laughs> man. Excuse me. Life. What's at the table? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it is another day in our Snake Crusher series here in the New Testament. Yeah. That's what's at the table. Man. Yeah. So the last episode, highly recommend, highly recommend you go listen to it. Um, probably one of my favorite conversations that I've ever been a part of uh, about John chapter 3. So righteous I, anger and rebirth. Yeah, Amen. go check out the episode "Righteous Fire. Anger and Rebirth," and we're going to sort of pick up wherever where we all ended last time. So we're going to be in John chapter four today. And if you remember, just a quick recap in the last episode, we talked about Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus, yeah. um, the rebirth and be, being born again concept that this um, snake crusher Jesus that we're talking about. Um, laid out for Nicodemus, how to be born again, and how that connected to this idea of the the new covenant that God had promised in the last days, that in the latter days God would make a new covenant, and then he would address what has been the issue all along, and that's been the heart and the spirit of a man, right? It has been contrary and hostile to God. Um, but after he puts his spirit in you, not just rejuvenates your own, but places his own spirit in you, you would be able to walk in his statutes and in his laws, and and he will be your God and you will be his people, right? And we also kind of uh, teased a little bit that within the context of Jeremiah 31, when he talks about that new covenant, the, the chapter, two things. One contains that um, Rachel mourning for her children and not being comforted, which we've cited in earlier episodes, but also... Um, this talk about Ephraim being restored and Ephraim still being God's firstborn son. And the capital of Ephraim is Samaria, which is at the the very next chapter from John chapter three to John chapter four mm. is where we find our story. So one thing that I, we're hoping just before we jump into this is that the, the audience will see how so often uh, these guys will probably jump on this, but the, the scripture is portrayed sometimes like the two testaments are disconnected from each other. But they're, they're, they're so not. Like, they run in and all through each other, constant cross-references, yeah. Yeah. dovetailing from one story to the other, you know, and, and it's just so beautiful. So we're going to pick up today in John chapter 4. And if you've been in this particular chapter before, if you're a well-churched person, you'll know this story um, as the woman at the well. So picking up in, in the ESV, um, John chapter 4, verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Je uh, Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, 
although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. It's kind of interesting that John throws that note out there. Because if you're looking from Judea to Galilee, I mean, Samaria is, that's the best route to go, right? (laughs) But historically in that time frame, just jumping in, that's not the typical road that a Jew would take. They would go go miles out of their way to avoid Samaria. I think it's kind of funny to point out, too, just in that first verse, it says, that it was only after Jesus hears that, the like, they know. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm baptizing more people and making more disciples than John. The Pharisees, the religious people that he just got done talking with, as soon as they know that he's growing in stature, he's like, no, now I'm going to go to Samaria. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to pop over here. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost like a, another shot, like, right across, like, hey, right. watch this. Well, and I think it's good to have a little bit of – I think this context is useful for the story. Um, the Jews' history with Samaria, obviously, is all through the, like you're talking about, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, this isn't something that, um, like, to them, right, like, Samaritans and, and them have virtually been at war. It's like, you know, there's stories, I think, um, recorded, says it's like uh, 6 B.C. or something. But, um you know, you have Samaritans bringing human bones into the temple to desecrate the temple. Like, this is like an ongoing thing that mm. that they've been at it. And feelings are a little bit justified here in some senses. Understandable, if nothing else. Right. They hate each other. Like, right. why it's so hostile. But I do think, too, before we go on, like, for the audience, because we've, we've kind of touched pointed on some of these stories throughout this series when we were in the Old Testament, especially in the Kings and the Chronicles scrolls, that um, one of the things that's kind of peculiar that I wanted to point out is like how just how the southern kingdom of Judah in general um, avoids, dislikes, and despises Samaritans. Yeah. Whereas the pattern of good kings that we watched in the past was that they would they would send out priests and Levites throughout the the villages in yeah. Samaria while they were in exile to try to gather them back the to teach tribes. them the law to cause them to keep it, and you had this sort of idea that you know that this Davidic son right um, these these sons from the line of David who were the legitimate dynasty of of Israel were trying to gather lost sheep back home, right. But, But the thing that you view in the religious leaders of the day at this time is the polar opposite spirit than that. Right, right. Well, it says when, you know, when Judah was restored, like all the faithful Jews went to Judah. Like that's what, so, so they see themselves as the faithful. Right. And the Samaritans are dirty, half-breeds, have, you know, merged with the Canaanites, whatever. Yeah, and even more so yet, we remember in, I want to say it's Second Kings, that whenever um, the Assyrians displaced some of the the kingdom of, the northern kingdom of Samaria slash Israel, that they brought other nations in to take their place, and that God sent wild lions to go and devour these, these things, and they're like, hey, this has to be because the God that runs this joint is not feeling us, you know, so we need to bring some of them people back to teach us the customs and the laws that please the God in this land. And so you've, <laughs> you do you do have this idea um, that there are, there are people there that are ethnically still related to Israel in some way, 
but there's also peoples that that are not. You yeah. are you are foreigners altogether, but you've basically learned enough of the law to pacify God's wrath. Yeah, and been assimilated. Th- right. So for the Jews, when they when they look at Samaria, they see this history that can really just be summed up in faithlessness. You, you don't keep the law, the way that you worship God's wrong. It's not in the city of Jerusalem that that is the capital. It's not in the temple that he built for his name. You know, it's not so on and so forth. So they, they kind of see them, in a sense, as, as usurpers. And I think that, to be fair, I think they're right. 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 I think that, like, if you were looking at, like, religiously, like, pure or even ethnically pure, like, if mm-hmm. that's a moral to be had, and sure. I'm not saying that it is. They are right. Sure. Well, I think they're seem you know, and <clears throat> we read this, and it's easy to not view these contexts, but because, like you said, we off we often read the New Testament as if it's separate or a separate story, but it's easy to say, like, wow, those Jews, they just hate those poor Samaritans, and that's it, and that's mm. that's not the full story. That's not, right. you know, yeah, the Samaritans, yeah, it goes both ways, yeah. Yeah, and there's definitely been some some infighting. So it's interesting that this Jesus that has been divinely born, the stars have told of his birth, he's changed water into wine, he's confounded the religious leaders of the day, he's done all of these things that just seem so godlike, not not human like. And and he's from the line of Judah that he's like, I'm gonna go through Samaria. It, it, it to, in my mind, it kind of brings back like that, that Jehoshaphat or Hezekiah type attitude. That's like, or you, you know, even the earlier days of Uzziah, I believe, was like, "Hey, go teach the law to to all of those that are scattered in in the country of Ephraim and all of the lost tribes." And so you have him going through, and it says in verse five that he comes to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to Joseph his son. And something that's interesting to me, if you if you look up this word in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, the word sakar can be translated like drunkenness. Mm. So it seems like the story is is being painted, and there's you know some belief that sakar has a um, etymological root to Shechem, the city right. of Shechem, where Jacob's sons um, did some. Pretty rough stuff to the old Shechemites. Yeah, they wiped them the out day. after they make them circumcise themselves. Right, <laughs> exactly. As as payback for taking their sister, sister right? Course. And so it's funny because in the Old Testament, Israel and Judah are contrasted by God through the prophets as sisters. Yeah, that are that are being unfaithful, right? And you you have like all of this history sort of embedded in this passage, but they come to this city that can be translated as drunkenness. And to me, it just kind of reaffirms that um, it provides an overtone like you have a Jew going to Samaria to a town like this, almost like a triple confirmation of this is this is out there, right? <laughs> so <clears throat> it says, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to Joseph his son, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So it's super hot. But the sixth hour later in John and in other Gospels will become an important time as well. 
So it says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. So Jesus meets this Samaritan woman at the well. He's hanging out there by Jacob's well. And I will say, I think that's kind of a touch point for the Samaritans too, for these people whose identity, you know, if they're being insulted by Judah, most certainly they're going to attack the fact that they're not true Israelites because they've meshed with Canaanites and stuff, right? But Jacob's well is mentioned in Samaria. So they're like tying back. In a sense, it kind of feels to me like in the story, like there's an, there's an identity touch point there for them. So this woman comes to Jesus and he says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. John gives us that funny little footnote there. He's like, hey, we don't really fool with each other like that. So he's yeah. showing that this woman's amazed. Like, dude, what do you want? There's there's so many, like, it goes even further, you know, down. That rather than just like a Jew who won't avoid Samaria, but you go there on purpose. You walk through there. But then you talk to a Samaritan and a woman, right? A Jew, Jews don't do that, even to this day. Like, right, right. It, you just, it's not something that's done. Mm. Uh, going even a little bit further than that, if you pay attention to the hour, this is not a time when anyone would normally go to get water. Yep. It's too hot. It's too hot. You don't walk out in the middle of the desert in the day to get water. You go in the morning, you go in the evening. So there, there's something to be said about this woman, why she's here in, in the heat of the day, and why Jesus chooses to come and to sit here at this point, basically putting her on the outside of society. Man. Outside of the norm. You're, you're avoiding gatherings of your own people. Right. So you seem to be... So you have kind of like this exile among exiles. She's she's on the outcast of the outcasts, and, mm. and she comes to this well to meet with Jesus. Yeah, that's why, like, it's kind of shocking because, yeah, like, that's a good way to put it. She's an exile among the already exiled people. Like, yeah. the already the disparaged people, she's yeah. already outcast. And she's a woman, which being alone, a woman, it's not it's not something that, um, you're going to see a lot of, especially since the guy who we know to be the Jewish Messiah is, yeah. you know, mm. right there, mm. you know. Funny that, don't mean to preach, but like for God, the temptation is to think, I think what you guys are trying to say that in the eyes of people, yeah. God cannot, God cannot have any dealings with something that is unclean. Yeah. But if God doesn't have any dealings with anything that's unclean, God has doesn't have any dealings with any of the human race. Dude, that's fire. I think that's the point of this whole conversation is yeah. it's like he after talking to the people who think that they're clean, that they they've got it together. Now I'm going to go find the one that is the worst person you can think of. Mm-hmm. And that's who I'm going to spend my time with and not at night like Nicodemus. But I'm yeah. going in the middle of the day to talk to her. Right. Which funny enough, like Nicodemus goes during the middle of the night to probably avoid shame and ridicule, yeah. right? But, <laughs> he ain't feeling that. But the reason that Jesus is here at this time and this woman is here at this time is yeah. because of her shame and ridicule. And he's meeting her there. And he's meeting her in Just like space. he met Nicodemus. Yeah. Right. If a Jew saw that, they would be like, bro. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Can I just say this, too? I love the way that he answers questions. Yeah. You know, although geez. sometimes it seems a little bit like sarcastic or, or or not sarcastic. What's the word? 
like he's, hypothetical almost like yeah yeah rhetorical rhetorical that's, that's yeah. the yeah yeah well so she's the the Samaritan woman says to him how is it that you a Jew ask a drink from me a woman of Samaria for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans and Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That is a huge. What? That's a huge deal. Yeah. Dude, think back to what we just heard, right? Like the previous episode, we like to use this analogy a lot, but imagine you, you closed for the book tonight, the closed the book for the night in John chapter three. And then you woke up the next day and fresh on your mind was the last part of that. You just read about how, you know, this conversation with Nicodemus is, you know, it, 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 in, it involves a lot of things. Who binds up the waters with the garment is quoted. The one who has yeah. creation power. And then the, the association with the spirit and water and rebirth. And, yeah. and then he says, if you knew who asked you for a drink, Man. you would ask me and I would give it to you. Yeah. It, I, it's not just, it's at Jacob's well. Mm. too it's at this historical side of like in the middle of a wilderness this is i don't think that we in this in this time and in, in, in society understand like what water means to them mm. and well if you were literally in a desert that well it means something yeah and he and jesus seems to tell her like you're here because you think that you're going to get water from jacob's well but if you knew who was standing before you i would give you living water i would mm. give you something better than jacob's well and what it means, we've talked about cosmic geography, but if you're this Samaritan woman, what it means for you, you know, the, the way that you identify um, cosmic geography for you to be drinking water from Jacob's well. Yeah. You're not drinking water from a well in Damascus or drinking water from a well in Anatolia, but you're here where your, your forefather, one of the patriarchs of this nation that you would still like to be associated with, yeah, you know what I mean. I think it's, of it like Nicodemus too, like the response that she has. It's like you're just not getting it clearly. Like like Nicodemus yeah. when he's like, "Well, how can I enter again into my mother's womb?" Like you know, he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's not what I mean, buddy." And the way that she responds, the woman said to him, "Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Mm. This well is deep. Where do you get that living water from? Mm. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his son and his livestock." Dude, I feel like that she's finally hit the heart of the question. Like, are you greater than our father Jacob? Mm. Funny you ask that. Yeah, you know. I love his response. He says to her, "Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life." This is a a succinct statement. Jesus isn't offering you water that's going to quench the thirst of your physical body. Right. He is offering not a living water that makes your body to live. But what he's saying is like, if, if you knew the one that asked you for a cup of water, yeah. you, would, you would have asked me to give you eternal life, Man. victory over death, and I would give it to you. That's Man. such a wild thing to say, just like just like the deal with Nicodemus, because it's it's you you clearly you don't understand what I'm talking about, but we're about to get there. 
Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're getting past your physical needs. We're getting past your physical self. We're getting past all of those things because there's a deeper root. There's an issue here mm-hmm. that you're not understanding. And that's the place that we've got to get to. And that's the place I've got to deal with. That's exactly like the, the whole narrative, right? Like you, uh, I'll quote Ray Comfort. He says, the old Testament, God promised to destroy death and the new is how he did it. Like, yeah. This whole time, mm. we think that it's all about nations, and this nation's going to conquer this nation and whatever. But like, clearly, that's not the issue, mm. and that issue seems to be not solvable. But here is the solution. Here love, is the eternal life. Dude, I love it. In, in verse 16, he says, go and call your husband. Tell him to come here. Mm. It's, yeah. it's like you talked about that that rhetorical question. She says, well, I, I don't have a husband. And this is where Jesus kind of just zeroes in. <laughs> he says, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Like, uh-oh. Mm. You yeah. ever had your mail read? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's also like, I mean, she is probably in, this, especially this culture, the most shameful yeah. person mm. you could ever talk to. Yeah. A woman Samaritan with who's had multiple husbands. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it to me it's just it's like it's like like a conversation with, with Nicodemus. He's just he's just getting down to the root. He's getting down to the heart of the issue. Like we're gonna deal with the darkest part, the the right. hardest part. That's where we're going. The most shameful part of you. Let's talk about that. It's just this Messiah has just offered eternal life to the one who is seen as the most shameful. That is something that, you know, probably is unheard of. It's not something that often gets gets talked about. These are the this is a person who has been overlooked. And the, and isn't this like isn't this sort of the crux of what we do to think with with the Snake Crusher series anyway? Nobody just comes along and offers you eternal life. Yeah. There is no antecedent for that. There, right. there is no example of anyone throughout Scripture that's gone by and like, oh, hey, I'm going to give you eternal life. Oh, hey, I'm going to give you victory over death. Everyone minus two has died. Yeah. Everyone has died. From Adam, death passes to all men. And, and he's coming here and telling her, like, hey, if you know who asked you for a cup of water, you would ask me to give you something that you need, and I would give it to you. I wouldn't withhold it from you. I would give it to you, but I think something else that's done here there, I don't know how to say this, but there, there is a, a change or a shift almost in the sense of cosmic geography too. She tells him after he reads her mail, Lord, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father, that you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth." You have this idea that, like, going to Jerusalem for the pilgrimage feast is important. Worshiping in Jerusalem is important because Jerusalem, we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, 
is not just the place of the Jews. Jerusalem is connected to Mount Zion, which is the place of God. Dude, and Jesus right. is and Jesus oh. is saying, a time is coming where it doesn't matter whether you worship on that mountain or on this mountain, but if you worship in spirit and in truth, the Father will receive that worship from you. Right. Well, you you get to worship the Father in spirit and truth. Like, I I don't mean to, you know, go over this point over and over, but this is not someone who would even be allowed in the temple. Mm. And like, that's that's exactly where I wanted to go, Creek. You just you just hit work because who he is changing sacred space. Mm. In this conversation, he's telling her that that temple in Jerusalem, that's not where God's going to meet with people anymore. He's not going to do it on this mountain either. But if people are going to worship him, they're going to do it in spirit and truth. Who has the authority to change sacred space? Who has the authority to do that? God. And that's what that's what we're talking about here, and that's what this, this conversation comes down to. Because in verse 25 she says, And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Anointed One. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Ugh. We hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, give us a rating, review, and send this podcast over to a friend. If you want to contact us, email us at at mail at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and any other podcasting platform. Ask us about merch, recommend topics or interviews, or just tell us what you think of the episode. Thank you for listening. Now, let's get back into the show. I want to point this out too. That's so good. So if you go back to Jeremiah chapter 31, I'm going to start reading in verse 16. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they will come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. I have heard Ephraim grieving. Mm. You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored, for you are the Lord my God. For after I had turned away, I relented. After I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed, and I was confounded because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Uh. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Set up road markers for yourselves. Make yourselves guideposts. Consider well the highway by which you went. Return, O virgin Israel. There's that concept again. Return, O virgin Israel. Return to these your cities. How long will you waver, O faithless daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing on the earth. A woman encircles a man. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Once more, they will use these words in the land of Judah and in its cities when I restore their fortunes. The Lord bless you, O habitation of righteousness and holy hill. And then God proceeds to talk about 
this this new covenant for days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And what you have in John chapter 4, and you start to think, okay, who has authority over cosmic geography? Who has authority to conduct worship? Who has authority to dictate sacred space? And, and she says, like, oh, you know what, I mean, I hear what you're saying. When the Messiah comes, when, when God in flesh comes, he'll sort all these things out. And Jesus says, I am he. Dude, I, that's so powerful. And I love the what you just read in, in, that's in Jeremiah because she associates herself with Jacob, right? But we have to remember Jacob isn't his name anymore. Mm. God changed his name. And she's associating herself with that, that deceiver. She's associating herself with, with the heel grabber. But when you read that in Jeremiah, like when, when, when Jesus is coming to her, she still has this little bit of faith and this remembrance like, I know. She didn't say, I think. Or maybe when she said, I know that when the Messiah comes, the one who is called the anointed one. So there's still that faith and expectation that there is one coming that's going to make this right. And <laughs> I think that that's all that's required. Mm. I think that that's what Jesus sees in her, that faith, that little bitty spark there. That maybe, maybe you've got everything else wrong, but you've got that right. Mm. And the one who is speaking to you now, I'm not a prophet. I am a prophet, but I'm not just a prophet. Mm. I am he. And we could even talk about all the implications, that even the way he says that. <laughs> you know, I am he. Like, the, the, what that means. And it, and it goes far deeper than just anything I don't just like owning, you know, what whatever role that that Israel would have for a Messiah. It, it goes much deeper than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's not that she's an, and she's not saying that either. Yeah, she's not saying, "Hey, when an anointed one comes, yeah. he'll sort all this out." Because she already recognized, sir. I I perceive that you're a prophet. You know <laughs> what I mean? Wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. But she. But when she clarifies, she's not just. Okay, well, you know, when a prophet comes by, he'll explain all this stuff. Man. She says when the Messiah comes, and this is what's beautiful, the exile of exiles, living in the exile of exiles, says when the Messiah comes, when he comes, he'll sort this out. You already have faith to believe that he'll come to you. Yet at the beginning of this conversation, you say, what are you, a Jew, having anything to do with me a Samaritan. Yeah. And you get these ways where Jesus even says, like, salvation is of the Jews. Yeah. It's from the Jews. Like We worship what we know. Yeah. And and it's like this whole time he's saying, like, I am he. And he did read her mail. You know, don't get me wrong. But in terms of, of her believing, I love what follows in this story. Well, you know, if you're a Samaritan... And you are ex- are are expecting Messiah, you know. I can just picture, like, what a Samaritan would read the scriptures and think, like, mm. you know, God is going to gather the nations, and Abraham's going to bless all the nations. Yeah, you know, there is an expectation, a reasonable expectation that this Messiah is going to save her too. Yes, yes, that's what you just read in Jeremiah. Right, that he's going to gather the exiles together, and they're all going to return, not just to to Jerusalem, but Jeremiah 31 talks about Zion, the holy habitation. It's not just returning to a to a physical place, to yeah. a to a physical representation of a place, but 
returning to a spiritual place, which has ultimately always been their problem. But this is what's amazing so far. The first miracle that Jesus worked that we read in Cana, the the result was that the, the disciples believed, right? His disciples believed on him. This is what John says, right? But after Jesus tells her this, I who speak to you am he, it says this in, in uh, verse 27, just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you see? Probably a good thing. Just stay quiet. Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all I've ever done. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and they're coming to him. So the, the, the response from this woman is like immediately she becomes an evangelist. Immediately she's like, Yo, I was out at this well, and and you guys know That's why fun. I'm out at this well at the time yeah. that I am. I mean, you know, we all know that. He told me I've never seen this guy before in my life. This random Jew comes up to the well and he starts talking about giving me eternal life, and he's told me everything I've ever did, and I think he's the Christ. And the response from the Samaritans that are in exile yes. is not like, oh, you know, I don't know. They're like. They start flooding out of the town, coming to him. <laughs> Isn't like, that, whoa, the, uh, the Jewish Messiah is here, and he's here for us? Think about, like, I mean, you know, we'll read on, but the the reaction out of Jerusalem yeah. is not like that. Mm. <laughs> well, to be fair, the, the leadership of you, Jerusalem. Right. You have, you know, you have the, well, going ahead a little bit, you have the yeah. Hosanna, but I'm just saying, like, it, it, it is clearly communicating that the Samaritans are flooding to this Messiah that Dude, yeah. is hated in other places. And it's so good because, like, the response from them echoes the heart of Ephraim in Jeremiah 31. God says, I have heard Ephraim grieving. I've heard Samaria grieving, saying, you have disciplined me. Yeah. And I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back so that I can be restored. And the first place that he just comes out and says it, like, no, 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 no miracle, no nothing. The first place that he comes and says, I am the Messiah, is in Ephraim saying, come back. I'm inviting you back. Come back. And it doesn't matter whether on your mountain or whether you're on that mountain. If you come to God in spirit and in truth, you are home. And it doesn't matter where you live. Dude. So good, dude. That just makes me want to cry. And I think it's funny too because this woman who's had had you know, like she says, come come see a man who told me everything that I ever did, mm. and he may be the Christ. This conversation started about water, and it's at Jacob's well, and he, Jesus starts talking to her. This this snake crusher starts talking to her about about living water, and after this conversation, she leaves her jar, and runs into town. It's, it's like where the conversation started, this water, it's it's no longer even relevant anymore. There's something much more important here. It's, it's you, you, That's the proper reaction. Mm. You've yes. been given the living water. Drop everything else. In the, in, the, in the middle of the conversation about this one who could give you living water, you have received it, and suddenly regular water doesn't matter. And it's even emphasized by the next part of this conversation. And the disciples who had went off to gather yeah, food, they come they back to Jesus, yeah. and then they say, "Here, Rabbi, eat." And and 
I could almost see him looking at him like, yeah, you know, I think that I'm glad that you're concerned for me. That's good, but you're not getting what she's getting. Uh-huh. Yeah. He yeah. said, I, you know, I have food. And then I, I almost like, yeah, this is sad, but I'm like, who gave him food? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you have food. Oh, what? What? really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but she understands now. Yeah. She's received living water. Mm. You're still caught on the physical, and Jesus has to explain to his disciples in really deep depth what he didn't have to explain to her. Now, food is cool, but that's not why I'm here. He <laughs> says, my food is to do the will of him that sent me, and I love how he explained it. He said, do you not say that there's four months and then the harvest? In other words, like, do, do you not like have the goal of harvest and there's a period yeah. of time of anticipation and Ooh. preparation? And he says, the time for that harvest is now. And they sit at this well of Jacob's, looking at Sakar, yeah. And the Samaritans are coming from the city to come to Jesus. And this picture Jesus portrays is, look, look over there. Yeah. Look in this place that you've despised. Look in this place you've rejected. The harvest is plentiful. Dude. It's ripe. It's ready. It's not six months from now. He said other people have already labored. The prophets have already come. They've already labored. You're entering into their labor. I've sent you to reap their harvest. That, dude, that is what a picture. And that's there's something for those of us that are listening to this, there's something for you in that today. There's something. Turn your eyes, look, because the harvest is here. Mm. It's there. You know, but I think that this 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 story is one of the most powerful. It's one of my favorite. And with with this this conversation with this woman, I think that, like like you said, he's come to the heart of it, and he's come back to the ideal that the Pharisees have forgotten about. Mm. They've forgotten that we're brothers, mm. right? That Judah and Israel, we were brothers. We were under David. We were both. We were supposed to stay there. Yeah. And and it was because of of rebellion. And it was because of exile and idolatry that we were divided. And it was because of idolatry and rebellion that we were exiled. And the the goal of Judah right now to look at Samaria, Samaria as something different when you're living underneath Gentile occupation yeah. with a vassal worship system and a vassal priest and all this stuff. And I think that what Jesus is doing is really just striking an arrow at the heart of that for his disciples. and for Because it says at the beginning of the story that he waited until the Pharisees had heard that he, well, all that he was doing before he goes over here and has this conversation. And I think mm. this is... This is a shot to the heart of the Samaritans and an invitation back, but it's also to the Jews. Like, you've forgotten what Jerusalem is. You've forgotten that this is the meeting place. You've forgotten that this is your one people, and the ideal never changed. Mm. It it, it never changed. The ideal was for you to be one people under God. Well, like with your Pharisees, you know, I think it just, I think it's the same problem that is around to this very day, like, it's always a need to try to <clears throat> create rules to save ourselves, mm. like a sense of, mm. you know, we're the clean people. Look at these rules we follow. And I, you know, again, it's just, it's crazy that this woman hadn't really followed the rules at all. Mm. But it's the idea that she's humble enough to see that. <laughs> I, and I love this next part of this story because you you remember Isaiah, you know, this same, you know, not not the same chapter, 
But the same prophet that said, you know, this light shining in Galilee of the Gentiles, yeah. you know, this light for the Gentiles. And um, it, he also says, um, and you will, you will call his name Emmanuel, that means God with us, right? And following this woman, like telling all of these Samaritans, it says in verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They didn't, and this is getting ready to get contrasted against a different set of peoples yeah. that will only believe if they see something. Yeah. But they believe because of his word, and and they say to the woman, "It's no longer." You know, it started out that way, but it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. Check this out, and we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Of the world. They Ephraim is saying, like, You're you're him. You're the shepherd that's gathering the lost sheep. You're here. You're the savior of the world. You're not just here for the Jews. We're here for everybody. And and this statement of faith from them, ah. It's yeah. so good. I feel like I could camp out on that story and 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 never do <laughs> anything else. But for the sake of that contrast, here it is. In verse 43, it says, after the two days, so after that two days that he stayed with them, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So John kind of alley-oops it for us here, like, get ready, because this amazing faith that you've seen displayed in Samaria, it's not quite what you're going to see right. Com- whenever you come back here to his own hometown. Completely different, yeah. Right. And to be fair, it is in Galilee, so not really like Judea proper, right? Yeah. But so he comes to Galilee, and the Galileans welcome him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he made the water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an, an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Which again, like, it's kind of sometimes the way that Jesus responds to certain things is interesting because, I mean, he called for you to come heal him. But you're sitting here addressing the point that he doesn't believe. Yeah. And you're saying unless he sees the sign and wonder, he won't believe. And the official says to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus says to him, go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour that he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour. The father knew that it was the hour when Jesus said to him, Your son will live, and he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. It, this this story, too, where, where Jesus he heals without even proximity right he tells he tells this official go you know and even down to the hour you know like he goes back and's like hey when did this happen it just reminds me of psalm 91 which is considered like an exorcistic psalm um, but where it says that 
He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the, the deadly pestilence, and he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. It's it's like he is stepping into that Psalms 91 role where he can rebuke the devourer, he can rebuke the fowler and the deadly pestilence. Mm. When, when he speaks, it responds. It flees from his voice. I like how Matthew's gospel points this out too, that like um, for Jesus like coming to Zebulun and Naphtali to, in particular to Capernaum, Matthew says like thus it was done to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said, yeah. and we've cited this several times before. But that in the in the land of darkness, a, you know, a people that once dwelt there have seen a great light, and light has dawned on them. And Matthew cites like Jesus coming to these people as a fulfillment of that. So he comes to Nazareth after Capernaum, and Nazareth, you know, his hometown where he had been brought up. And it says, as was his custom, I'm reading in Luke uh, 4.16, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, here we go, was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has (laughs) sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are who are oppressed Come on. and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls the scroll back up and gave it to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Wait, hold up. Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you have did at Capernaum do here in his hometown, in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown. You remember how we just talked about, like how we're in Samaria? Yeah. And that she dis- in Samaria they display the kind of faith that you desire to see yeah. from the faithful people. These Samaritans who aren't, I mean, they're Israelites, but they're also not really Israelites. Check this out. He says, truly, I say to you, no prophet's acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you this, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and for six months and a great famine came all over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon. To a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. None of them were cleansed, but Naaman only. So Jesus says, like, hey, he's contrasting faith. Yeah. He said, and in a sense, whether you're a Jew or not, without this, without believing this, yeah. without believing me, you will not be healed. Man. That, that is so good because, like you said, it is a contrast based on faith. Like, they were ready. Th- those fields were white with harvest. But this field at home where he comes and he reads this, and, and what a powerful statement. And they know that he can do it. They've seen him do it. They saw it. It even says that about the, the, the Cabernet thing. It's like, what you've done there, come do that. Physician, heal yourself. Do that here. Mm-hmm. Like, they know that he's capable of doing it. But when he makes a statement like this, it's their, their prejudice and hatred and their, their unwillingness to believe that, hey, I have a problem too, it, it separates them and to the point where 
it says that after they had heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with <laughs> wrath. Right. They rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the edge of a cliff where they could throw him out. And mm. so they could throw him down the cliff, but passing through their midst, he went along on his way. They remember these days. They remember these days really well. Like, this is the, a period of time in history where, like, Israel's defected, yeah. completely <clears throat> defected. And he's saying even in a defected land that broke the covenant, that turned away from it, there was more since there is sincere faith found there than there was here. And that's why in your land in those days, nobody was healed. Man. Yeah. Because faith, faith is the thing. It's always tying back to belief. Like Jesus said with Nicodemus, you're sick. You're, you've got ailment as a result of what the serpent has done, right? Yeah. The only way to be healed is to look on look him who is lifted up yeah. and believe. That's right. It Yeah, it's like a heart. It's a very heartbreaking contrast because, you know, obviously he's in his hometown. So mm. he said he predicted it, right, that this would happen. But the, yeah. like the Samaritan reaction is they believed without a miracle. Like they just heard his words. And it's one thing to like not have honor, like you said, but then to be driven out so that they can throw you off yeah. of a cliff. Kill you. Your own people want to kill you. Dude, you're doing what your people have always done. While you look at the people at Jacob's well and at the other mountain, mm. you're doing what your people has always done. How many amongst the prophets lived? How many of them were killed by their own people? Most. And you know that he's a miracle worker. You've seen it. It just said that. Mm. You, you know what he did in in Capernaum. You know it. Man. You saw what he did at the feast in Jerusalem. You saw what he did the at the, 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 the marriage. He was, that was in Cana. <sighs> You've seen all that. You know. And, and even Nicodemus, right, this Pharisee, this person who typically that we would look at as like, the bad guy, yeah, or like or yeah. somebody that is like you know puffed up and 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 maybe above, like he can look at, at Jesus Ugh. and say like, look, we know, Rabbi, we we know, mm. no one can do these things unless he is sent from God. Mm. He, <laughs> if he can make that statement, but these people in his own town, yeah, it's like, you know, what he is, you know who he is, you know that he's of God, and still you would throw him off a cliff, man. It's come to a place where a woman from who, who's nothing but disgraced, Jesus can point in the middle of every bit of her shame, right? He can bring up everything that she's done wrong, and her response is faith. Man, dude. And he can look at, these, look at these people and do miracles in their midst and tell them, like, listen, there's a problem with you, right? It's the same problem that your father's had. No prophet is without honor in his, or it has honor in his hometown. Like, there's a problem, and and your response, when when he pokes at that spot in you is, even if you're from God, we won't receive that rebuke. Mm. We're gonna throw you off a cliff. God, and this is the, something that just kind of sticks out to me. Like, if I'm not mistaken, it's back in the Kings um, and Chronicles timeline, or maybe it's during. No, I think it's during exile. During the exile, that. Nazareth becomes settled by Davidic sons that are fleeing. They're running away, right? And so it's like for you guys, out of all places to not believe in a son of David coming yeah. in this time frame, at this day and hour, it's you. Like you're, for your response to be like, oh, you know, yeah, I know you 
made like 130 to 150 gallons of wine, but uh, aren't you Joseph's son? Yeah. You know? Uh, I know you just healed a sick, you know, the, the official son. You yeah. healed him by your words. You not saved even, you him didn't from even death. Touch him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know you're doing what our forefathers used to do, like Josiah and these kings would send Levites and sometimes even go themselves to make sure that the law is being taught in Samaria yeah. and the exiles are being gathered back home. And But aren't you just Joseph's kid? You know, like, yeah, yeah, kind of halfway. <laughs> and because you can't believe that, that's what makes you like the lepers that were in Alicia's day. Man. That's what makes you, you know, like all of the widows, that famine was God's judgment. Mm. And it's like, you, you're counting yourself amongst the judge. I want to, I want to say this too, something that's interesting to me, because in this particular episode, We've talked about how things point to him being the Messiah and how he is the way that he has spoken and the things that he have done validate him as Messiah. But to this point, we haven't really came to a spot where he said, the one that is speaking to you right now, me, I am the Messiah. Yeah. I am the one, right? And in the same time frame where he's like making this claim and he's, I am the greater son of David. Yeah. And not just I'm the greater son of David, but I am. Yeah. You know, he's like, that that one that brought the exiles out of Egypt, yeah, the stranger in the uh, fire, all those guys. That's me. I'm uh, the dude, right? And so he shows up here in his own hometown to to minister to them on the Sabbath day and and read from Isaiah about how the spirit of God will be put on someone. And we remember how David had the spirit of God on him, and he was excellent in all these ways. But this is different. This is so different. And they want they want to drive him through the cliff, but what's this is what sticks out to me. They want to drive him off the cliff because they're angry. Maybe it's because of unbelief. Maybe they think he's blaspheming. I don't know. But he passes through them. Yeah. Like the the opposition that comes to his messiahship is almost in a way portrayed in the text like it's an illegitimate opposition. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Well, that should be good news. Yeah. The year of the Lord's favor, man. We've been waiting for that because he didn't read past verse two, right? And we'll get that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's fire. I, I think that like my my favorite part of this whole story though is when she, the, this woman at the well, going back to the beginning and, and kind of wrapping this up and and tying a bow in it. But just like you were saying, she asked him, "Are you greater than Jacob? And who is Jacob but Israel?" Yeah. And the answer to that question is yes. Mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. How how did how did Jacob come to be? The one that gave him that name. Who who did he wrestle with? Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. <laughs> Me. Israel's still limping, buddy. You know, <laughs> something in Israel still remembers that, that wrestling match. And I, and, I, and and how did Jacob even come to be? If yeah. not by Yahweh's intervention with Abraham. Yes, mm-hmm. I am better than Jacob. Yes, I am greater than him. I, I just, man, it's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And if it's possible, like, we spent all this time, like, building up to these, you know, going through, the, through all of our snake crushers, all through the Old Testament, all of these signs, and we're coming to a place where all of these stars are starting to align, all these points, they're starting to, to paint this picture. But if it's possible, guys, it gets better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it only gets better. It only gets bolder. Yeah. This is clearly a unified story. Yeah. Don't separate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, well, we could 
we could probably dialogue and point stuff out for the next decade. But I think for, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's, that's what's at the table for today. You're going to have to stay tuned for the rest of Isaiah 61 in this particular chapter. I wonder what happened. <laughs> Amen. And also, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, we got some special things coming up. Let me say this to to anybody in our audience. Like, we're kicking around some ideas for topical episodes and stuff. We got a couple of really cool ideas on the shelf that we want to do. Please email us and get a hold of us. Reach out to us on Facebook. Comment on the threads that we're trying to get more active on that stuff. If there's any particular episode that you you would like to or um, topical wise for us to cover, man, holler at us, interact with us. After this Snake Crusher series, we're out of ideas. So it's up to you guys. <laughs> Why do you even say that? Dog? That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Oh all right. man. Well, um, from time. all of us here, love, peace, and bacon grease, baby. Unless you're a Jew, then yeah, maybe beef. like beef, <laughs> beef grease. How about just a big juicy chicken steak? grease steak? <laughs> Everybody loves chicken, dog. I'm Come on, the Lord. All right. All right, Godspeed. Bless ya. Catch you later. This is Pastor Kevin O'Connor, and you're listening to At The Table Podcast. This is Dylan from Jamaica, and you're listening to At The Table Podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Kent Hovind of Dinosaur Adventureland, and with the At The Table Podcast. Hey, this is Savannah Donaldson, and you're listening to At The Table Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode of At The Table Podcast. We hope it blessed you, and we hope it taught you something. Until next time, thank you so much, and God bless.